Welcome to the Evolve Mindset. My name is Chelsea Browse, but most know me online as Chelsbra. I'm an awakening mentor and somatic sexologist who's passionate about the continuous evolution of consciousness. If you're looking to evolve your sex life, career, relationships, finances, or health, then it begins with your mindset and this podcast is for you. My goal is to use this container to provide the tools, knowledge, and insights to further your potential and evolution. I know we're going to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pressing play and let's evolve. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me in today's episode, Elizabeth. I am so honored to have you on the Evolve Mindset. Thank you so much for having me, Chels. This is so exciting to unpack everything and to talk to you about what's been going on. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Um, Just to get us going, Elizabeth, um, I would love for you to share with the listeners who you are and a little bit about your background. Sure. Okay. So my name is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Willis, and I am an educator. I've been in the field of education for over 20 years. Primarily, I've been a Montessori teacher, which is an alternative um, teaching environment. Um, I've taught preschool ages three to six and uh, lower elementary, first, second, and third. In the Montessori environment, they group the grades together. So they, it's multi-age uh, grouping. So the older children learn from the younger children and the younger children also have something to look up to. So uh, most of my teaching has been done in that group dynamic. Um, and for a while there, I left, I hit a wall uh, about 10 years ago. I left, I got a PhD. I went to graduate school and I got a PhD in early childhood education. And I really tapped into the world of research which I loved and um, really understanding more. And I really looked into teachers and, you know, teacher education programs, as well as focusing on what are called children's self-regulatory skills or self-regulation skills. And that's just essentially, you know, emotionally regulating themselves. And that starts um, at a young age. And it starts at a young age where children mirror that what's being mirrored back to them from their adult caregiver. And Mm -hmm. those skills develop and continue to develop into adulthood. So what I was looking at in my research was how these self-regulatory skills could be affected by mindfulness, meditation, and other, you know, Eastern practices. So that was that was my um, my world of research. And then I had two daughters, and I decided to go back into education, where I am currently. So um, I'm currently a teacher, and I do teach at a variety of different, I would say, like teacher education programs. And then most recently, I've journeyed into the world of sexuality through um, the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy. So along my experience in life, um, I have always been very into like self-discovery, discovery discovery of self, and just expansion in myself and my self-knowledge. And, you know, talk therapy coupled with spirituality practices, coupled with, um, you know, yoga practice, meditation, and really just like that self-healing journey. And that led me to, 
I was really pulled towards um, the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy. Really, I didn't know why. Um, I just feel that, you know, the world of sexuality was something that I had yet to discover and yet to tap into. And having two daughters, I did want to bring this knowledge to them. And I know that by bringing this knowledge to them, the best way for me to bring knowledge to anybody else is to embody it myself. So that's kind of my, uh, my journey um, up until, you know, going into the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy School. Mm, what a beautiful journey. I actually didn't know a lot about, about you. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> That's great. Um, I love how you bring in your, how you did your research um, kind of with the mirror theory stuff when I guess specifically just like teachers and their students. And would you care to just elaborate about a little bit more for the listeners? Sure. So, so the understanding as far as like children's self-regulation skills, it has to do with, those are emotional regulation skills and they can be looked at as um, you have this overall umbrella, which is called your executing functioning skills. And that happens in your prefrontal cortex. And these, these EF skills develop all through childhood and into early adolescence where they say that your brain and your EF skills are fully developed by the age of 25. Mm -hmm. So within that umbrella of executive functioning skills, you have what are called um, hot and cold uh, skills, okay? And the, the hot poles are more of the emotionally reactive skills. So that category is kind of labeled more as your self-regulatory skills. And that has to do with impulse control, um, you know, deciding there's, there's this classic test in research, which is the marshmallow test where they pulled a bunch of children together and they said, okay, I'm going to give you a marshmallow now, but if you wait and you don't eat this marshmallow for, you know, 10 minutes, then I'll give you four more marshmallows. Yeah. Right. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's that, that has to do with the self-regulatory skills and really in early childhood, they, because they are developing these skills they rely upon adults or caregivers, not only to model the skills, but to kind of be the stronger mirror and to be mm. the, um, to lend those skills to the children. So as you have a child who might be having a tantrum because they don't get the cookie, then, then the adult steps in and, you know, lends the self-regulatory skills. A perfect example is like, you know, if a child goes to touch a hot burning stove, right? Mm -hmm. So the child doesn't know to like pull their hand away. It's the parent that comes in and pulls the child's hand away. So we're giving that impulse control to the child. And um, yeah, so that's kind of, it, it's really, what, what's interesting about this is that that was kind of my, that was my focus in research. And now after journeying with the Institute New Paradigm Intimacy, it's really all connected to the nervous system. Mm, yes. Understanding more about the nervous system and really my own nervous system as far as my ability to face, you know, difficult emotional situations. Because as I was journeying the research, I was looking into meditation, I was looking into mindfulness, and those are all amazing practices and I honor them. But there's a piece of application that is sometimes missing in the understanding of what do I do as a parent or what do I do as a teacher when I'm triggered by a child who has these mm -hmm. reactions? Because you can't always be the stronger mirror and you're not always in the space to offer that support to the child. And oftentimes, if not, you know, 
a lot or depending on the circumstances, you are also the one who gets triggered and you are also kind of reacting in that same way that the child is reacting. So coming back to what we learned um, at the Institute, it's really, again, more about learning how to be in our bodies and mm -hmm. regulating our nervous system and regulating, um, being in tune with our self-regulatory skills and tapping into those through our nervous system and through the regulation of our nervous system by being more in our body and less in our mind. So if you look at like a child and an adult, a child is really in their body their whole time because they're very mm -hmm. like illicit in their aliveness and they're just learning and they learn through exploration and they learn through these things. And the adult is really more in their mind than in their body, right? Mm -hmm. So the adult, while the adult might be reacting to the child who's, you know, having a temper tantrum, the adult is reacting, you know, as a trigger and it's not, and not necessarily they're, they're more in their mind and they're not in their body. So now what we're looking at is, you know, how can you really support children in their aliveness and through the development of these skills? And what do we need as adults, as parents, as teachers to embody in order to provide and be that stronger mirror and to lend those, those self-regulatory skills to the children? Mm, yeah, no, I can definitely 100% agree with all of that. Um, I'm personally a mom. My son is in middle school now and I've, I can't even express how many stories that my son has come to me and he's told me like, mom, I don't think my teacher likes me. I'm like, well, why do you think that son? And basically he's saying like his teacher has like, just like yelled at him or his teacher has like been really like snarky or just like snapping at him, which don't get me wrong. I'm not blaming his teacher whatsoever. They have a really tough job. All you, any, any teacher is listening, you guys have really hard jobs. I could not do that at all, <laughs> but it, it translates differently to the children. And I mean, I'm sure you've had experiences in situations like that. Um, what would you do in a situation like that? Yeah, so for sure, that's a great question. So it's really what I've been journeying and part of my journey in integrating what we learned at the New Paradigm Intimacy and about being in your body and regulating my nervous system is about how am I going to apply this to school? Like where do where does, you know, education and sexuality mix where it's not like sex ed? And really what it is, it's in that underlying understanding and and tapping into that underlying current and that life force um, and that aliveness that we have. So mm -hmm. as a teacher, when you are really in alignment with yourself and you're really attuned to yourself, you can support yourself, okay? And you, not only can you support yourself um, through difficult situations and, and work with your energy through these difficult situations, but you are, you're able to control your energy so it's not leaking all the time um, because as, as a teacher and even as a parent, we're constantly giving, right? So we're giving unnecessary energy away all the time. And mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why we feel so drained and why we're so short sometimes. So you tap into that and then you also tap into with that aliveness, like what you are actually, what, what you are capable of and what you can handle at that moment. And recognizing that we can't handle, especially as teachers and mothers, like we can't handle everything. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's a conditioning in society that says like, just because I'm a teacher, I'm like put on this pedestal of somebody who knows everything and somebody who's all patient and mm -hmm. somebody, you know, who disseminates information and like a role model in society and I can't do anything wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, you know, the conditioning in society is that, you know, I'm always going to be there for my child. I'm going to love my child and nurture my child and, you know, make my child beautiful lunches and all these things. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's about dismantling those myths and that conditioning and really owning up to what each person as an individual is capable of doing. But what each person is capable of doing is, again, we don't really know that until we tap into our own aliveness and we tap into ourselves. So to bring it back to that question that you asked about like what to do in those difficult situations, what I've learned as I've been able to tap into my aliveness and as I've been able to really be in more in tune with my alignment or my alignment is with these situations, um, the first thing that I do is I drop into my body. So like, for example, you know, someone calls my name, you know, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, and I'm in the middle of doing something else. Like I, I close my eyes, I put my hand on my heart and I just feel for a few seconds. And my students are now used to this because now they like see me with my <laughs> eyes closed. And I just feel the sensations. Like I feel the irritation. I feel the frustration, whatever sensation is there. I feel that. And I really like, I, I just sit with that for maybe like 10 seconds because our body just needs to be feeled, felt mm -hmm. and loved. And that's, it just wants to be seen just as much as every other part of us. So if we, you know, tap into our body and, you know, feel those sensations. So that's the first thing that I usually do. And then the other piece that I do is then after I've, I've just been with that for a few seconds, that's, that kind of creates that pause you know, that we're kind of, that we need in order mm -hmm. to then address something. Now I can't hold space for my students and I can't be there for my students at some times when I'm feeling completely overwhelmed, if I'm feeling very stressed, you know? So there are times when there will come to me and they'll say, Miss Elizabeth, and I'll put my hand on my heart, or maybe I won't even make it that far. And I just look at them and I say, I'm sorry, but I'm not available for you right now. And it's just as, it's just as, you know, brief as that. And mm -hmm. I, they have to wait and, you know, I need to be with myself or I need to be in whatever other, whatever else I'm dealing with. Um, so that's really how I, I work a lot through that is like dismantling the conditioning and placing realistic expectations and what I know yes. I'm capable of doing, right? as well as tapping into myself and tapping into my sensations that arise when these difficult situations that are taxing on a teacher or a parent arise. Mm, I love that. And something that's coming true to me right now is like that codependent relationship we see with um, child and mother or student and teacher. I feel like this is an amazing lesson and opportunity for teachers to, like you said, kind of do the self-regulation piece, but also to kind of to take out that codependency. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And one of the things that I've, I've journeyed with and I've integrated into my class this year is exactly that. Because, you know, if you mm. really look at the school system and the structure of the school system, it's set up for, in fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. And set up in that codependent pattern. And that codependent pattern is set up so early in childhood where children are like almost, you know, from, you know, 
toddlers, you know, the age of like toddlerhood, you know, they are taught to give away their power to adults. Yes. And it becomes conditioned. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so then as children grow up, then they all of a sudden become adults and we expect them to be comfortable in their power and to be comfortable around others power where Mm -hmm. for their entire childhood and their, through their entire, entire education system, we've taught them to fear power because we've placed teachers above. Right. And that Mm -hmm. is that codependency where whenever you have a relationship where you have one person that holds power above the other person. Yeah. So what we're looking to do in like the new era in education is to dismantle that system and that structure in the way that things have set up. And what you want to do is you want to create more of like a parallel environment where the teacher and the student are on the same, you know, they, they have equal power. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about this is that you can't just give a child who's been used to giving away their power, power without teaching them how to use their power. Because when you give a child power without teaching them and without having any boundaries, then they just, it's, and especially in the classroom, then they'll just go wild. Okay. So it's really like, not only do you have to dismantle the system, but you also have to build it up to restructure it. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, your question was about codependency. So part of that, so that's part of that restructuring of the system, right? Is break is is kind of making things a little bit more level, breaking down that fear, teaching children to be comfortable in their power and to be comfortable mm-hmm. in others' power. And then there's that piece in the classroom, and especially in the age that I teach, that first, second, and third grade, where they're very focused on rules. And they're very focused on, they're very others focused. And that's where you have all the tattletaling. Like Miss mm-hmm. Elizabeth, so-and-so this, Miss Elizabeth, so-and-so that, right? And so that's an integral period to teach them to shift back to themselves. So my first, um, I renamed my classroom rules this year. I totally, I radically changed them and I dismantled classroom rules and I called them like personal boundaries or individual boundaries. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was a huge shift. Again, brought about by, you know, just the yeah. integration of, you know, the mm-hmm. intimacy. So what it was, was, you know, the first, the first boundary is to take care of yourself first. Okay. Mm. So my students know to take, like, that's the first thing they do is they take care of themselves first. So they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, so-and-so, um, so-and-so, you know, took my, took my spot next to the window. Okay. Or so, mm-hmm. so called me a name. Okay. And so then my answer to them is right. This is the codependency piece. Cause this is the piece yep. where they can become reliant upon the adult to go and solve their problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or they can be reliant upon the adult to say, whatever, don't worry about it. Just go back to your work. Okay. And this is where the gem is. Like, this is where the connection between you and the child happen in these little issues. And these, um, this is like where social emotional learning really happens. Okay. And as teachers, you are so bogged down by like production and teaching academics that you just gloss over these moments and they really become a nuisance because you're Mm. so focused again, this goes back to what I was talking about with the conditioning, right? Like what exactly as a teacher am I supposed to be here to deliver? So I say to them, I redirect, you know, did you take care of yourself? So the second personal boundary is to use the I feel statement because with the I feel statement, they take responsibility for themselves. They take responsibility Mm. for their feelings and then they're verbalizing their feelings. So 
I'd say to them, did you, you know, did you take care of yourself or are you just coming to tell me this? No, I didn't take care of myself. So then they go over and they say, you know, so, you know, so-and-so I feel sad because I wanted to sit next to the window and I feel as though you took my seat. Okay. And so really scaffolding this scenario and this conversation back and forth between the students really creates that independence and that interdependence. And it also creates that self-esteem and it creates them being in their own power and comfortable mm -hmm. in their own power. It creates them identifying emotions um, and, and also taking responsibility. Um, and recently, it's so cute. What I've also integrated then is like a few next steps with my students. Um, they, after they say, after they say, I feel, then the other person says, acknowledges. So the mm. other person then says, I hear you, or I understand you. Mm -hmm. And then that person says, now, may I share how I feel? And so it's so funny to like see these little like yes. like walking around saying, oh, I my hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable though. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I personally wish that I was taught this in school growing up. Um, like I can only imagine like how different I would be today. And I mean, I have to look back and see my past as now wisdom because it, it definitely is it's maybe to who I am today obviously I'm very thankful and grateful for it mm -hmm. but it makes you think like if how many hours are we at school how many hours are our children at school like if if there was just like a little bit of shift with the connection and the codependency and allowing to be like in our own power like having all these pieces that you're speaking of like what would that look like for us today mm -hmm. right absolutely and not only like what would it look for us today, but like what are you, what are we modeling, right? Like what's mm -hmm. the takeaway? What's the, and that's where you go back to the connection of the feeling, right? Because everything mm -hmm. is really stored in your body as far as like feelings and sensations. So mm -hmm. by promoting and creating this connection between peer to peer, right? This healthy um, environment where they can unpack each other's feelings, right? And other, each other's um, emotions. So by creating that peer-to-peer -peer relationship and that connection, creating that relationship and that connection from you know, the teacher to the student as well, like that's, you're creating these emotionally healthy, stable connections. Mm -hmm. And they might not necessarily remember them, but they will remember the feelings of them. So when they go into life, when they grow up and they start you know, engaging in more relationships and more connections with friends and you know, um, you know, and they get married and lovers and things like that, then they'll recognize, you know, what is a healthy connection and what's a connection that doesn't feel so good to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's really, that's really like the biggest takeaway, you know, as far as what I feel like is the most important piece in education is that like the, teaching the connection and then like everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can totally rate. Like I, yeah, like I said, I can only imagine the way it would be for me today as a, like, just as an individual, cause I'm only learning all these pieces now and I'm in my early thirties. <laughs> like I could only imagine the difference. Now, what do you, what could you say to a teacher that is maybe struggling with their own nervous system today? Mm -hmm. So there's a myriad of things that, that come to mind. And what comes to mind really 
first and foremost is really loving and becoming aware of whatever is arising in your body. Because really what we want to look at is that we are a society that are in our heads. Mm. And the school system perpetuates us being in our head because we perpetuate production and getting things done. And because at the teacher, you're at the top of that production wheelhouse, you're the one kind of in charge of, and you have the pressure of getting things done and making that production happen. So it just gets passed down. So as a teacher, and this also relates to, you know, really anything, um, mothers, you know, parents, um, but we're so in our heads that we're so disconnected from our bodies and we don't, where we put our attention is where our awareness is and where our energy is. And when our energy is all in our head, we don't necessarily honor what comes up in our bodies and we can't hear what comes up in our bodies. And when we can't hear what comes up in our bodies and what sensations are, we can't, when we have that rush and that uncomfortable sensation of anger or rage or frustration that comes in, we immediately, it immediately comes out of us in some way. And it's very hard for us to sit with that sensation and to sit with that uncomfortability. And there's also a shame around that, right? Mm. There's a shame around like, oh my gosh, like I was a teacher and I yelled at my kids today, or I was a mother and I yelled at my kids today, right? Because that's that conditioning piece where, you know, you're not supposed to do that, right? Well, we're all mm -hmm. human, right? So um, you know, the fact that there's some things that our nervous system can't handle is completely normal because at the fast pace that everything is working at, it's not possible to handle everything. It's just not. Mm -hmm. So by tapping in and like loving whatever is arising, you're bringing your awareness to your body. You're bringing your awareness to the sensations that might be in your body at that time. And you're really honoring your body and loving your body. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a type of self-care, you know, and self-love. And just, you know, putting your hand on your heart and breathing and just feeling, um, feeling those sensations, whatever it is that arises for just a few minutes. And then like opening your eyes and, and being there. Um, that's like, I feel is one of the biggest takeaways, um, you know, to work, you know, for teachers or really for anybody you know, to practice that. Mm, I love that. And I know something, something fairly new to you, I suppose, um, is kind of where you're transitioning more into transforming the education system as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'd love to hear if you, if it, like I, mm, let me kind of reframe that question a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm. Okay. Now I would love to know what your vision is for the education system as a whole. If you could share any details or if you have any idea, because I feel like a vision is like a, a, a big thing. So don't, like, I totally understand that, but do you have any ideas or insights? Uh, have you thought about it yet? Yeah. So um, I appreciate you asking that question. And it just, it really just landed this morning and I've been journeying with mm. it. And um, 
you know, I know that we talked about doing, you know, another podcast down the line to see how mm -hmm. everything transpires. So I'm sure there's going to be changes and I'm sure there's going to be things that evolve. But what really came to me is, and I really feel like I was, I've been avoiding this because mm -hmm. when you think about the education system and you think about eliciting any sort of change in any sort of bureaucratic system, it brings about such a density and mm -hmm. such a heaviness and like a Yep. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to go there. I'm not, I'm yep. not going to go it there. It seems like, <laughs> seems like a lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot Where of do you work. start? <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of red tape, right? A lot mm. of systemic, you know, bullshit. Signatures and yeah. <laughs> exactly. suits you got to deal with. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm noticing is, um, you know, as I connect more with myself as a teacher as on this journey and my experience in teacher education specifically, um, I feel, and, and really knowing the realm of teachers, like teachers are, we're really out there to, um, you know, to learn more also about ourselves and, and really to strive to do the best that we can. Um, and yet we, we do have limited resources. We, we're, we're pay, our pay is very limited. The amount of resources mm -hmm. we have in the classroom is limited. You know, our amount of time in the classroom is limited. So like we're dealing with a lot of parameters and the stakes are high. So mm -hmm. um, I really feel that, but I think, I feel like the love is there and I know that the love is there in many situations. It's just that it becomes so we, as teachers become just sucked dry, right? Yeah. And so really I feel it's about jumping over, like bypassing the entire system mm -hmm. and going straight to the teachers. And going straight to teachers and going straight to, you know, teacher education and really working with teachers to embody their own aliveness and to embody their mm. arrows and their life force. Because when each of us are, as teachers, when we are operating in our arrows and we are moving with life's current, and when we are at the beat and moving to that beat of life, you know, we, we choose a path and we choose things that are right for us, right? And as we choose things that are right for us, then we can also model for others, how these choices can be right for them. Mm -hmm. And so really it's that saying that like, you can't journey with somebody else. I mean, you can only journey with others as far as you've journeyed with yourself. Yeah. Another one that was ringing to me as you were kind of describing like your life force energy and your arrows is like happy people can't hurt people like happy people I can't think of the right saying in the moment right now but happy people don't hurt people right <laughs> hurt people hurt people exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so so it's really about and and again it's about shifting you know from like we're we're going out of our mind and we're going into our body so if you had a mm -hmm. if you had a workforce of teachers that was in alignment and in their body and tapping mm -hmm. into their true creativity and the, you know, tapping into their, they are the source of what they need to do in the classroom and how they need to run their classroom and guide their classroom. Then that's where you know you'll start to see and that shift of where 
the goal is not necessarily connect is not necessarily academics, but it's more of the connection. Mm. Because you have the teacher will have such a connection to herself or to himself that that's going to be mirrored to the children. And once once you have that connection, then the transmission is there, right? So once you have a connection with somebody, you know, the knowledge flows. Yeah. Right. So like as we're having this connection together, our knowledge is flowing back and forth. It's the same way that if I have a connection with a child and I'm sitting with a child and I have that connection with a child, you know, me teaching them how to carry over in a subtraction problem, that's going to land a lot differently when I'm disseminating that information and sharing that information in the form of a connection versus in the form of fear or top down, Mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of like the vision is like jumping over the the education system, going straight to the teachers and really shifting, you know, bringing teachers into their aliveness and their life force and really shifting the goal of education to be from production to connection. Mm, I love that. And something that was coming to me as you're explaining like that connection piece uh, is like that heart coherence, Mm -hmm. Um, like what the Heart Math Institute was kind of doing a lot of research and looking at like auras and like it goes about six feet with that connection of our fields. Um, I do know you actually did a little bit of a masterclass with um, what was it called again? Heart of? Yeah, so so the master class that I did, well, I had two. I had the creation of the heart, mm-hmm. which is the heart coherence. And then yep. um, and the, the master class, the heart coherence one didn't take off. But the goal for that was, again, to teach people to begin to drop into their body, to create, yep. you know, to tap into their heart and to create those elevated emotions from within, right? Mm-hmm. Because we always, we're looking to outside to create our elevated emotions of joy, happiness, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And as we're continually looking to the outside to create these feelings of emotions of happiness, we are addicted, we become addicted to the outside instead of really knowing how to source ourselves for those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that piece- I feel like that, that master, that masterclass itself you're speaking yeah. of, like, it's a really good piece for people that are actually even just like, or even just teachers really wanting like a taste of like, what is this, this heart connection with my students really mean? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and, and again, it all comes back to self, right? So like you got to connect mm-hmm. to your heart, you know, in order for, you know, to connect to others. So, yeah. Okay. And now I know, obviously, with your journey, like everything is like really integrating and taking off for you. And it's such an exciting path. Um, now, because everything's integrating for you, like how would you suggest or how does it look like for a teacher um, when they're actually integrating the arrows with their students and with their, their own careers? Yeah, so I think it looks like a lot of um, awareness and a lot of trial and error. And the awareness piece comes in the awareness piece comes in insofar as you know being aware of where you are at emotionally and being aware of being aware of like your habitual patterns okay mm. so in classrooms quite often um certain students pl- will play different archetypes and different roles right you'll have like the joker and then you'll mm-hmm. have the people pleaser, right? And you'll have all these different archetypes. And all these different archetypes 
uh, play into habits and habits that you as the teacher, right? Because you're playing an archetype too, as the role of the teacher, that you are, um, that you're, you're, playing, you're playing this role, right? So this, this play, this little play and this little interlude is going on constantly between you and the people pleaser, between you and the joker. And it's really that awareness piece comes in, not only in the awareness of, you know, what's coming up within you, but the awareness of these habitual patterns that are happening, right? So like the people pleaser, for example, if you look at that archetype, right? It's, it's really been, um, you know, that good girl or that good boy kind of praise, right? And you see that play out in the classroom where, you know, you might have a student who's super, super helpful and like always going, oh, Miss Elizabeth, can I help? Oh, Miss Elizabeth, can I help somebody, right? And, you know, in the past, I would have praised that behavior and I've been like, oh my gosh, you're, you know, that's so helpful. And now it's more of like, I recognize that, you know, mm -hmm. my reaction to that, because as I praise that child, then that child does more of those people pleasing um, behaviors, right? And that cycle continues, right? And that's creating that codependency right there. Mm -hmm. Because that child is not, you know, that child is neglecting themselves in order to help others, right? So being aware of that pattern, you know, when you have the joker, the child that you're always like, okay, can you please stop talking? Can you please stop talking? Can you please stop talking? Can you? And it's constant, right? And then it's all of a sudden the wake up to that awareness, that aha moment, like, I am having the same conversation with this child over and over and over again. And I'm just repeating the same, we're repeating the same dance. So somebody has to do something different, you know? And the same with the people pleaser. Like one of the two of the, in this interlude has to make a change in order mm -hmm. for a change to happen, right? So then it's about bringing the awareness to that and also talking about it with your students. And bringing that metacognition or that awareness in with the students as far as, you know, I just want to let you know that we're having the same conversation over and over again, and I'm not going to have this conversation over again, I'm going to change, I'm going to do something different. And this is where that radical discontinuity comes into play, because you can like, you know, you can totally do something different, you know, like, it's just brings you back to that awareness of that moment. Okay. And instead of asking that child to stop talking for the millionth time, you can, you know, say, can you sit here? I'm going to put my hand on you. Every time you talk, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Okay. Every time I need you to stop talking, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Okay. Um, or like whatever, whatever creative way you come up with as a teacher, you're, you're changing that and you're shifting that pattern. And then there's also that resistance that comes up because then the next day you might fall back into that pattern and that cycle of, can you please stop talking? Can you please? And then you're like, oh my gosh, look, <laughs> the same thing again. <laughs> so it's really about mm -hmm. like, I kind of forgot what your question was. Um, I'm just kind of integrating the arrows into it. Yeah. So integrating that arrows really is just about really, again, I can't emphasize enough how much it goes back to your own awareness but that own awareness has to be coupled with you being in your body and you feeling the sensations in your body that awareness because change happens in the body it's not happening in the mind so we we constantly see people who are you know going through self-healing journeys who are like oh i just need and i have been one of these people too like i just need that pause like i just need that 
you know, to stop that reaction from happening, right? But mm-hmm. that can't happen in the mind. Yeah, like, or you've done all that healing work and there's that child that walks up to you and triggers the fuck out of you again. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you can't do that. You can't make, you could have a million post-its all over your room, but it still <laughs> won't change <laughs> until you yeah. make that change in your body. And to make that change in your body, that comes with practice, right? And that comes with practice of, you know, practicing being in your body. And and what does that mean? And that's where, you know, you tap into that somatic learning and that somatic healing and things like mm. that. So, um, so yeah. Awesome. And I love that you brought up um, the term somatic healing. Uh, I'm pretty sure we read a similar article where it actually explains what somatic healing is. And it, it kind of flips it for where talk therapy is a, a top-down method where it's all in the mind and you're kind of dissecting it through all like just um words and cognitive thinking and, and understanding the behaviors mm-hmm. but with our somatic healing and somatic therapy uh it's all like the the bottom up approach do you care um just explaining that a little bit for the listeners yeah absolutely so yeah so soma comes somatic comes from the mm-hmm. word soma which means body Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what is happening there is that, um, when we do talk therapy, um, which is, you know, very important and I'm not discounting talk therapy at all. Um, what happens with talk therapy is you're addressing, um, the circumstances, the behavior, the trauma in the brain and you're, or in the mind, right? Now, uh, when you look at the body, you're looking at that trauma or that behavior as it relates to the body. So the mind creates stories and, and makes meaning out of everything. And the body just wants to feel. So, with, so the top-down therapy is you know, working with the mind, working with the stories, working to you know, dissect and unpack you know, what is happening in the mind and the understanding of the mind and then you know the body will follow suit mm-hmm. where somatic therapy and somatic healing is you know tapping into the body tapping and breaking down like emotions to feelings to sensations where emotions are the labels that the mind gives the sensations and the feelings are just a conglomerate of sensations that you might have so when you do bottom to top therapy, which is like, like we talked about somatic therapy, mm-hmm. really creating that change and you're addressing that trauma in your body. So like, for example, um, you know, I, I had a trigger, I have a trigger with my daughter, you know, um, usually when I'm like doing a lot of things and she calls my name, oh, this is, this is a good one. Like right before bedtime, teeth are brushed, ready to go to bed. And she wants yeah. to eat something. Like I'm hungry. <laughs> yep. My son all the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, and that's, and that's, and that's a trigger for me. And that comes up in my body. I can feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. So it's taking it. I can't address that situation. If I address that situation in my mind, it will look like, you know, it will, it could look like me yelling at her. It could look at me becoming impatient with her. It can Mm -hmm. look at me really controlling the situation and manipulating the situation and saying, okay, well, if you have a snack, then you're not going to get a book. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's also coming from the mind, like trying to control, manipulate the situation. Yeah. 
so, thinking about how can I make this into my favor? How can I control this situation? Exactly, exactly. So dropping into your body and feeling that sensation of irritation or frustration, whatever arises, you're tapping into that feeling and you just sit with it and you know, you're with that sensation and you feel that sensation. And then after you feel it, then you open your eyes and whatever's gonna come is gonna come, but the, you have addressed that buildup or those sensations. And what happens is when we don't address the body and the sensations that arise in the body, then everything just packs on top of each other and it becomes more difficult for us to feel these sensations and be in our body when these uncomfortable sensations are there and we just break out of our body and we go straight into the mind. So somatic yeah. therapy is about dropping into the body and creating that change in the body. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I like to explain that um, as like, hey, you have a, a cup of water and you can imagine this cup of water is already full with water and all that water you can consider is our emotions. And as you see like a drop, drop, Job or drip drip whatever you want to call it um it keeps piling and when you see that happening to a cup of full of water it has like that like that that kind of slight dome action that's happening because it's yeah. just the water still up there and it keeps dropping and now you have your son or your daughter saying mom i'm hungry i brushed my teeth another drop mom i want to eat a snack and then that other drop is the last drop that just explodes all that water off of the over the edges of that, that cup and all, all your water is everywhere that's what i love to like Really, that's what it really reminds me of. And I've learned that also too, like kind of exploring my own triggers um, with so many different things. But the, since we're talking about it, mostly with like my son and it'd be like he, I think it's a boy thing where they just don't want to brush their teeth. <laughs> I don't just... know, my girl is like that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough then. So yeah, no, I I, I honestly, this, this somatic therapy, the, the somatic uh, dismantling of, what our emotions are actually doing, I find is so powerful. So I really appreciate you um, expanding that. Yeah, I love that analogy about the water glass. That's great too. Yeah. Now with all the information you've given us, Elizabeth, it's been very informative. Um, I do know quite a few teachers. Um, hopefully some of them listen today. And if they are, what would you say to a teacher that maybe hearing what you're saying and maybe they're thinking that the way they're handling things, they're not feeling good about it, or maybe they are feeling good about it. Um, if you had a teacher in front of you right now, what would you say to them from all the information you've given them? I would, what comes alive to me is, you know, to just trust yourself. Mm. To know that you're on the right path and to know that you have, there's no right or wrong there's no right or wrong, you know, and just to really trust in yourself and um, to trust what you're doing and, um, you know, how you're feeling and um, everything that you're experiencing is real and to really, you know, strengthen that trust in yourself and know that you are the source of everything. Hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, thanks again, Elizabeth. Um, at this point, I do want to give you a moment to share with the listeners how to get a hold of you, how to work with you. If you have any offerings, uh, masterclasses, um, courses, whatever it is, I want you to share it all. 
Okay, well, thank you for that invitation. I'll accept that invitation. <laughs> um, I can be found on Facebook um, under Elizabeth Willis um, or on Instagram at The Unpolished Journey. And that's really where most of my stuff is right now on Instagram. I do have a link in my bio that has uh, links to my articles that I've written and my offerings that I have. I'm working on a website right now. So soon that will be up and running. And from time to time, about every few months, I do a masterclass um, specifically designed for teachers. Um, you know, the last one a month ago, I talked about, um, you know, redefining and understanding classroom behavior. Uh, in the new era and how it related to teachers. And um, yeah, so every two months or so, I'll do a masterclass dedicated to teachers with you know takeaways that they can use in the classroom and implement right away. Um, and I do do one-on-one -on -one sessions with teachers working to, um, to embody them in their arrows and to drop them in um, to their aliveness. So if you're interested in doing a one-on-one -on -one session, um, you can message me directly on Facebook or Instagram, and we can set up a conversation and discuss, you know, the offering and things like that. Mm, beautiful. I, yeah, I feel like you're doing great work, Elizabeth. So thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it, Charles. I appreciate the um, invitation. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, <laughs> my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me with today's episode. If you love what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on your listening platform so I can keep the goodness coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, you can interact with me and enjoy daily inspiration on Instagram at Chelsbra or visiting my website for one-to-one -one mentoring at chelsbra.com. I love you and appreciate you so much and can't wait to connect again in the next episode. Until then, turn your magic on, loves, and keep evolving.